Welcome to the Debunking Your Growth Mindset podcast with Sean McCambridge. In this podcast, we will unpack practical ways to help you grow and build on your current mindset and challenge old habits so you can see the potential that's within us all and learn how to get out of your own way. Guys, just coming in from home today. Obviously, with COVID nineteen well and truly underway, just wanted to do a bit of uh, an introduction to the recap of a couple of my favourite podcasts. Uh, first one's with the talented Tara Swart. She's a neuroscientist, so she goes into some details around uh, how to achieve mental resilience and peak brain performance, uh, and generally just how the brain works. So, really interesting takeaways from that. And then uh, arguably my favourite, uh, my daughter, Sophie McCambridge, we sat down and did a bit of a podcast based on her experience and learnings with both fixed and growth mindsets and also my experience in that regard. So I really hope you enjoy. Next person I'm just going to touch on is Tara Swart. I really found Tara really captivating and I first seen her at a conference on uh, increasing uh, brain performance uh, through a executive leadership group I'm involved in called YPO. And she's just very smart, very articulate. Um, and through that presentation, I've become captivated with some of the messages she, she touched on. She's got a wonderful book called The Source. Uh, highly recommend it. I have bought that for a number of people since. Uh, really, really interesting. But she just goes into, I guess, how the brain works and understanding yourself and tools and techniques to get the most out of yourself. I just found it super simple. I mean, obviously, uh, when it comes to the brain and mindset and all the rest of it, it's a complex situation, but the way that she made it so simple was just the best part of it. So I'm just sort of going to touch on a few things that really sort of um, resonate for me. So I think there's, uh, you know, there's all these different quotes um, and whatnot around the impact of those you spend the most time with. So um, I think they say you become the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. But she actually sort of takes it a little bit further than that. And she sort of talks about the fact that, you know, when we talk about people that might be stressed or negative or whatever the case is, certainly with the, the stress hormone is cortisol. So scientifically, they've picked up that if you're in a reasonable proximity to individuals that are highly stressed and all the rest of it, their levels of cortisol can uh, basically infiltrate or permutate into those around them, causing other people to become stressed or or negative and all the rest of it. So I I guess for me, it put a scientific um, bearing uh, or backstory on the impact that you spend time, uh, those that you spend time with, being really selective with that. So I guess uh, now as an, an adult, that's one thing, but certainly with my children, sort of making sure that, you know, I guess within uh, reason, you know, being mindful of the people they spend time with, I, I think it's just so, so important. And through my association with things like YPO, um, certainly having the opportunity to go to places like Harvard University, MIT in Boston, 
just some of the energy and the inspiration and the drive and the positiveness of some of those individuals that you spend time around, you just get energized. It's sort of hard to put a an explanation on it, but I guess you know that uh, scientific explanation from Tara really rung true. It's just so important in terms of the people you spend time with that uh, the impact that that has on you. So that was a, a, a big one for me. Tara coaches uh, high-powered CEOs, hedge fund managers, and a range of other people that have just got this desire to find this edge and become the best they can. And she has distilled over a period of time, if you're sort of thinking of where do you invest your time as an individual to help you uh, become as successful as possible, the two key themes she coaches on the most uh, is emotional intelligence and resilience. So emotional intelligence is understanding yourself and regulating yourself, but also obviously those around you. And you talk about uh, EQ versus IQ. So she coaches a lot on that. And uh, that's certainly been uh, a journey for me. And then the other thing that she talks about is this notion of coaching on resilience. So despite the setbacks and the challenges that you experience, it's the ability uh, to persevere in pursuit of your goals that she sort of coaches on uh, a lot. So two key simple things, if you sort of think, where do I spend my time? Uh, that really rung home to me, and, and she goes into to greater detail in the book. Another uh, tool that she articulates is this notion of uh, an action board, which is an evolution and I think a step beyond just the uh, – older notion of a vision board only. So she talks about the scientific basis of priming your brain towards the things that you want to achieve. So she talks about uh, having a pictorial or, or, or a vision uh, or a picture of things that you want to achieve. Um, so for me, it might be things like uh, the, the schools I want to send my children. It might be taking my children to Disneyland. It might be other uh, I guess goals or objectives that I want to achieve personally or with the family uh, over a period of time and having a visual representation on a board uh, that you can review and I, I review that uh, just before I go to bed every night. Um, but she talks about the importance that you just can't have a vision board and wish it to become true, a bit like The Secret or something like that. She talks about it's got to be it's got to be supported by action to take you towards your goals because in the absence of that action, you know, you can wish for whatever but it's un- Unlikely to become true, and I think that also ties into the, the 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 dynamics of conscious and unconscious brain or mind. And I think the uh, the thing of the the phrase I've heard in the past is the conscious brain is the goal setter, but the unconscious brain is the goal getter. So you're basically priming your brain to be aware or conscious of the things that you want to achieve. But of course, you've also got to be conscious of the steps or the actions you've got to take towards your goals. So really, really important tool. I really encourage you to look into that. And that's something that uh, she goes into greater detail in her book. She also just talks about the simple uh, impact of sleep and hydration. So she states that you should consume 500 milliliters of water per 15 kilograms of weight. And the impact of that is, I think our body is, uh, don't quote me, but somewhere in the order of 80% water. 
and the impact that our brain, uh, you know, uh, has on being well hydrated, it's back to that notion of just trying to find some of those one percenters in terms of mental clarity, brain function, and all the rest. It's just a simple, simple, simple thing to do. But I've found that uh, following uh, that hot tip from her, I'll certainly go in the bathroom more for a period of time. Um, but once that's sort of uh, formed into a bit more of an equilibrium, you definitely find that, you know, maybe some of that mental fog sort of disappears. You're just a bit more mentally alert and clear. And similarly, you focus in on sleep. Now, of course, you know, it just seems like a thing that you accidentally do or don't do. But there's definitely a process for me. Firstly, it starts with the importance of sleep. So now, uh, I'm very, very mindful of when I go to bed, uh, one, in terms of the time I go to bed and the time I go up to sort of try and get myself to that uh, eight-hour sort of mark per night. Um, and uh, there's, I think there's there's just such a low percentage of states that can get away with less than seven hours sleep per night. It's a very, very small percentage. So almost all of us need seven to nine hours sleep per night. She talks about, uh, you know, the impact that that has on our IQ, and I think we could all, in simple terms, we know that life's just that little bit easier when you've got a good night's sleep. So for me, it's a bit of a process, and she talks about this process. So she talks about the fact that, you know, probably an hour or so before bed, um, reduce or stop any stimulation by way of, you know, interaction with phone, computers, those sorts of things that stimulate the brain. She also talks about within two hours of bed, uh, try not to eat or drink, particularly not not so much drink water or things like that, but alcohol. The impact that alcohol uh, and food have on you and your brain um, because your body's still trying to process those things as you fall asleep. I think we've all been guilty of grabbing one or two drinks or something to eat before we go to sleep, but the impact that that has on your sleep quality um, is really quite impactful. And, you know, I think with all the apps and technologies these days, I've correlated now and looked at, you know, some of the actions or things that I do or don't do before bed and the impact it has on sleep around the level of deep sleep, REM sleep, and obviously just how I feel uh, in the morning. And I think the other thing that I support, you know, the two hours non-eating or, or drinking alcohol before bed and then also the the one hour of, of getting away from connectivity before bed is taking magnesium. So magnesium um, is uh, great for, uh, I think it's good for aches, pains from a muscular point of view, but it's also good in terms of, uh, I find it, uh, you know, it, 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 it's a good thing for the central nervous system and I think management of uh, stress and anxiety and those sorts of things, but I just find it puts me into a really deep sleep. I'm a good, pretty good sleeper anyway, but it puts me into a deep sleep um, which just helps with the brain's recovery. And, and they talk about, you know, she talks about sleep um, being uh, such an important aspect of the brain recovering and flushing out toxins and those sorts of things. So simple sort of scenario, but trying to build on a bit of a process to set yourself up for success. Uh, a little bit hard when you've got four young kids. So uh, sometimes despite good strategies, yeah, it doesn't always work, but I think you've got to give yourself half a chance. She also talks about journaling, and, and uh, I sort of lost touch with journaling for a period of time, but I picked it up after G uh, the, the podcast with, with Tara. And just that, uh, you know, for me, it's uh, every day I write down things that I'm conscious of or I want to work on, and I think for me it just primes the brain to be 
aware or conscious of the things I want to tackle or achieve. And also, as you flick back over time, you start to see patterns and those sorts of things. So for me, once it's, a, it's part of my morning ritual. Um, I sit down and sort of journal on whatever took place on the day before or how I want to show up in the day ahead. Um, but it's just a simple exercise. doesn't take too long, but um, I found it really interesting. And she goes into further detail in the book around that. She talks also about this aspect of uh, improving things by 1% and how it's so much easier to improve 10 things by 1% than one thing by 10%. The net gain is the same, but it's so much easier to find those 1%ers. And I think you could argue the water, the sleep, some of those things are just these 1%ers. This is also referenced in a book that I've read really, really interesting called Atomic Habits. Uh, in that regard so and it also ties back to some of the other people I I did podcasts with that 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 this focus on those incremental gains I think as human beings sometimes we're looking for the silver bullet the thing that is easy and profound that changes everything dramatically but I think that notion that simple notion of just improving things by one percent they all aggregate and at the end of the day if you aggregate them it makes a a pretty profound impact. So it's so much easier to do, to do it, you know, 10 things by one than one thing by 10%. So I think that was pretty interesting. Uh, I think uh, most of us uh, enjoy things like caffeine and, uh, you know, often it's a bit of a stimulant or to sort of perk ourselves up and, and that sort of thing. She, again, uh, went back to, to science. So the quarter life for caffeine is 12 hours so in basic terms uh, you've still got a quarter of the caffeine you consume in your system for 12 hours and obviously if that's still in the system caffeine's a stimulant obviously that impacts the quality of sleep you have uh, if you're having it too late in the day so uh, she talks about this uh, bit of a barrier in her day so when it gets to 10 o'clock every day she stopped her coffee you know because obviously she's going to be at somewhere in the order of, of 10 o'clock and uh, for me I have my coffee in the morning but I, I, I don't thereafter so you know I was probably guilty from time to time of having an afternoon coffee not realizing the potential impact it could have on my sleep uh, so just a simple thing, uh, being aware of the fact that uh, that quarter life for caffeine is, uh, is uh, 12 hours. Um, and probably the last thing I'll touch on, I mean, uh, there's so much I got out of Tara, uh, both her book and the session I had with her. But I think the, uh, the last thing I really want to make uh, note of is that notion of gratitude. And that also show, uh, showed up in... Uh, the uh, seven principles of positive psychology uh, boy Sean Accor. Um, and for me, uh, I think, uh, you know, I think by nature, humans are generally wired to look at the things we maybe don't yet have. I don't have that car yet, the bank account, uh, the house, uh, the job, or whatever the case is. And, and I was certainly guilty of that at one moment in time. So you're basically, all your attention goes to the things you don't yet have. And obviously, you know, you probably don't need to be a rocket scientist to realize that doesn't always correlate to being super happy um, in that regard. So this book and, and, and Tara talks about just the simple practice of gratitude. So for me, it's, it's this simple. And I, I took this mainly from the uh, seven principles of positive psychology Every day before I go to sleep, I quote three things for that particular day that I'm grateful for. 
and one thing that I'm looking forward to. And, I, and over time, that rewires the brains and the, the, the pathways in our mind to go into more of a default mind for being grateful and appreciative of the things that um, – that we're happy for, um, but basically it's a habit uh, as opposed to focusing on the things you don't yet have and, and that becoming a habit, uh, that daily practice of gratitude, super easy, doesn't take too long. When, when, if you exercise that, you start to rewire your, your brain to focus on all the good things that we have in our life, um, which obviously has a, a big impact in terms of your, your mental health or happiness and those sorts of things. So simple exercise, great benefits. Right, um, this was quite an emotional podcast. Doing a a podcast with your daughter. So Sophie, uh, at the time she was nine, now ten. Uh, sitting down with her and um, talking about uh, growth mindset, um, which was amazing for her at nine years of age to be introduced by a school and uh, a book that she started reading uh, to then do a podcast on that was amazing because I think obviously at, at my uh, you know similar age, there was just no labels. There was just no reference. There was no awareness around that. And I just think that uh, focusing on, on, on growing the mind and enabling the mind to sort of cope with the different things that come to us in life is just amazing. So I think the first thing that really sort of stood out in that podcast was firstly actually defining with your kid and talking with your kid the difference between a growth and fixed mindset because I think once you can define it, you can label situations and Sophie's good about picking me up or picking my wife Linda up from time to time going, well, that's not a very good growth mindset and it just sort of snaps you into, I guess, uh, looking at, uh, you know, how you're uh, looking at situations and, you know, Carol Dweck uh, wrote the book uh, Mindset and the uh, impact that, uh, you know, having a growth versus a fixed mindset has and, and you know, the ability to uh, move habits, attitudes, behaviour, even IQ by adopting that uh, growth mindset is documented in, in science. So first thing for me, it was just defining that with Soph, which was cool. Once you define that, you have a common language. I can, I can call her when maybe she's got a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. She can call me. It's just nice to have that common language as uh, you know as a family and of course I think as a as a parent you just want the best for your kid and you just know that life's so much easier if you've got a mindset that's more growth orientated versus fixed mindset and and as a kid I had many struggles at different times and I think a lot of it because at that moment in time I had a fixed mindset so it's cool to have a, a common language uh, around that. Uh, Sophie, uh, as part of that, was re- reading a book further to some of the education that she'd had at her school, um, uh, which is, I'll just get, so that's uh, Bedtime Stories for Rebel Girls. So amazing uh, book that uh, uncovers the trials, the tribulations of young uh, girls and ladies that have achieved things in life, uh, be that business, be that sport, overcome adversity. So for her to become aware of some of those stories and insights and challenges and have that as a a bit of a... um, 
source of inspiration was amazing. She quoted one story of uh, a young uh, individual that uh, had some uh, pretty uh, limiting uh, health issues with regards to uh, physical health and even the ability to walk, but uh, she prevailed and she became a a world champion in terms of running an athlete and the journey that her parents took and uh, I guess some of the the steps along the way was just super inspiring for Sophie. So I think uh, it's good to have a voice from school. It's good to have my voice from parents, but to have that also in a written format and that book was just super awesome on that side of it. Um, I think also through that podcast and I, I challenge myself on that regularly is being prepared to share my ups and downs, my journey, because I think as a kid sometimes my recollection is you kind of think, am I alone in experiencing this? You sort of think, you know, maybe my struggle is unique and, and not normal. Um, so I think uh, whenever I see her or every chance I get to be a little bit vulnerable about you know, situations I've navigated in the past and how I got through that. I just really want to open that dialogue so we can sort of tackle this sort of journey together and and, and not have her take on things uh, on her own and be lonely in that endeavour. So that was something that I really wanted to iterate in that podcast and, and continue to do so. And I think, you know, my goal, my vision moving forward is, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we could... Uh, democratize and and make it mainstream uh, in the curriculums of school to teach on the importance of mindset and I just think that there would be so many uh, downstream uh, issues that we experience now mitigated by getting in there early and teaching these guys you know what a growth mindset is but then some of the tools and techniques around that so very emotional podcast, sort of talking down with Soph and to see how confident she is and enabled she is with some of those uh, tools and techniques she learned. It was um, really special to do that with Soph.